to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. over the next three weeks Uh, and and I just really want to look at it as I was reading the word of God yesterday I read Proverbs I read a proverb every day really would encourage you in your Bible reading to read Proverbs there's 31 Proverbs most months have 31 days a proverb a day keeps the devil away and um, I, I just like getting the word of God inside of me so my Bible reading is I read a psalm and a proverb every day and then I'll read three chapters of wherever I'm at in the Bible beginning in Genesis and reading through and um, I like to do that. Well, I was reading yesterday Proverbs chapter 3, and just some key principles from that chapter just really jumped out at me. I grabbed my phone, and I just recorded them down, and I was like, man, we're going to teach on this for the next few Wednesday nights, and, and, and we're going to teach on some fundamental principles. I looked up in the dictionary the word principle, and it means a fundamental primary or a general truth on which other truths depend. Okay. In other words, we need to get this because if we don't, other things are going to suffer. Do you get that? A principle is a foundational truth. And if we don't get that, other things depend upon it. If we don't get this, come on, our life is going to depend upon it. If we don't get these truths, come on, our future is depending upon us getting them. So these are foundations we're going to build on. So tonight we're just going to begin by reading the first four verses of Proverbs chapter 3. And I want you to read with me. And I like the title in my Bible. It says at the beginning of Proverbs 3, Guidance for the Young. Well, you know what? I think age is a mentality. So that's guidance for every one of us. Do I hear an amen? And there's guidance from God's word, guidance for each one of us. So Proverbs 3, beginning in verse 1, says this, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. I love the fact that God adds He multiplies. Satan divides and subtracts, but God is in the adding and the multiplying business. Okay? Verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Not like a rope, but like a a necklace. Something displayed. Write them on the tables of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of both God and man. The first principle that I see from Proverbs chapter 3 that we're going to talk about tonight is the principle of obedience. Obedience. To obey God. Verse 1, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. Obedience to God's word. Remember Saul in the Bible, and Saul is a great picture 
of, you know, a lot of people write Saul off and just think that he failed God and God rejected him. But Saul did something incredible. He took a kingdom that had no king. He took a kingdom that had no army. He took a kingdom that had no kingdom. And he was a king. And he built a kingdom with the help of God. Saul did incredible things until what? He disobeyed God. And we've got to look at the life of Saul because one day Saul was told through the mouthpiece of God, which was the prophet Samuel at that time. And and I'm glad today that God can speak to us directly. But then he would use a mouthpiece, a prophet. The prophet Samuel spoke to Saul and said, Thus saith the Lord, you need to go and take care of business. And here's what you need to do. You need to completely annihilate the enemy totally. Don't leave any cattle. Don't leave any women. Don't leave any children. I know that sounds really rough, but I want you to wipe off their existence from the face of the earth. But in all of this, you know what Saul did? Saul kept the best for himself and his troops. It says in 1 Samuel 15 verse 9, But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen. It goes on to say at the end, but everything that was despised and worthless, guess what they did? They destroyed it. They kept the best and got rid of the trash. That wasn't what God told them to do. So what happens if you would read, and we haven't got time tonight, if you would read verse 10 through 11, you would see that God comes to Samuel and says, Samuel, we've got a problem here. Saul has not been obedient, and you need to go and tell him that he's in trouble. So Samuel is instructed by God to go and tell Saul. And let's pick it up in verse 13, and look what he says. 1 Samuel 15, verse 13. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him. Notice there is no indication that Samuel even said, Saul, you've done wrong, but that Saul runs to meet Samuel, and he just bald-faced lies to him. He says, what does he say? And Saul says to him, Samuel, blessed of you of the Lord, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. Saul is saying to the man of God, I have obeyed God and done everything that you asked me to do. What is our problem that we want to lie and think that God doesn't know what's going on? Come on. Why is it that we think we can hide stuff from God, but yet he sees everything? Instead, In fact, the Bible says he knows our thoughts are far off. Before we've really figured out all our thoughts, God knows them. We try to hide. So here is Saul coming up to Samuel saying, hey, Samuel, done everything. Why do we lie instead of obeying God? How Did he not expect to get caught? Verse verse 19, Samuel says to him, Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? I want to ask you that question tonight. Why is it that we don't obey the voice of the Lord, but yet even we would lie to God, we would live a lie to others, Instead of obeying and following the voice of God. I gave us four things why I think we don't obey the the voice of God. Are you ready? The first one is this. Because we don't hear it. We don't hear it. The Bible says that what? The sheep hear his voice and they follow. 
There's a parable in the, in the Bible of a lost sheep. Why was the sheep lost? Because obviously it distanced itself far enough away from the voice of the shepherd and therefore did not hear his leading voice and therefore was led astray. The reason why I think we don't obey the voice of God is because we just don't hear it. Because we're not in the place where we need to be. We don't hear it. And many times it's because we haven't listened. We don't spend time. I like what Jerry said on Saturday. Those that wait on the Lord, getting in that quiet time, spending time with God, waiting on God, hearing God, because God will speak to you. I've said this many times before, but if you haven't heard God lately, read God. It's His Word for every one of us. It's still alive and it's still real and able to meet your every need. So the first reason is we just don't hear it. The second reason is this. Why do we not obey the voice of God? Is because we doubt what we have heard. How many times have you said, I wonder if that's God? Was it God? Was it me? Was it the pizza I ate last night? What was it? Was it me? Was it God? Was it me? Was it God? Well, good indication of this, if it's God, it will never be contrary to his word. Just know that, that God will never speak contrary to his word. Good indication. And something else we know of God is when he speaks, he will confirm his word, if you will ask. But doesn't Satan mess with us so many times and makes us doubt the fact that we didn't really hear God? And as a result of that doubt, as a result of that inner conflict, and I know I'm only speaking to myself tonight, As a result of that inner conflict, what do we do? We make a choice. Well, I'm not going to obey because I don't really know if that was God or not. Anyone with me tonight? Here's a third reason why we don't obey the voice of the Lord. Number three, because we don't want to. Because we want to be rebellious. We don't want to label it as rebellion. We want to label it as our way. Well, I've got my ideas. I've got what I want. And you know what? God doesn't know everything. He doesn't know the full circumstance. He doesn't want my happiness. He doesn't want... Come on, we convince ourselves with all this that we convince ourselves that we want what we want. Listen, the children of Israel wanted something so bad. God said to them, you can have it. And you know what happened when they had it? How many of them died that day with meat? in their mouth because they lusted after things instead of desiring God? I'm telling you, if you want to go against God with your will, God's going to let you have it. God's going to let you have it. You know why we don't? Because we just don't want to obey God. Come on, let's just be honest. Sometimes we don't want to obey God. Sometimes we don't want to do the things that we know we should do. Come on, there's a battle inside every one of us. But you know what? We've got to be obedient. Another reason why we don't obey the voice of God is number four is peer pressure, the pressure of other people around us. That's old fashioned. Oh, you don't need to do that. Come on, come out and enjoy yourself. Live life. Why are you going to church? Why are you doing that? Why are you paying your tithes? You don't even have enough money to pay your bills this month. Why are you paying your tithes? We've got to watch because all these things are trying to do what? Trying to stop us from living in obedience to God. So what does Saul do? What does Saul do? He does what every one of us does. The first thing he does is he blames the people. He turns around and says in verse 20, and he says, I have done right and I have obeyed. But then he goes on in verse 21 and says, but it's the people. 
But it's the people who have taken it. It's the people who have taken it. So the first thing he does is he blames other people. And when he sees that tactic's not really working as it should, he then throws in the fact, well, listen, I'm going to give it to God anyway. Look what it says. He says, but we've kept the best and haven't destroyed it because obviously the God deserves the best and we're going to sacrifice it. We're going to bring it to God. No, he wasn't. He's just lying. He's trying to manipulate the situation instead of coming clean and saying, I haven't obeyed God. When will we stop trying to manipulate the situation thinking God doesn't know what's going on and just come clean. Like with Adam and Eve in the garden, God knew where they were, but you know what God was doing? God was giving Adam and Eve the opportunity to say, we screwed up and messed up. Would you forgive us? I wonder what would have happened if they would have asked for forgiveness. But you know what they did? They lied. What did they do? Adam pointed the finger. It was the woman and then what? You gave me. It was the woman, then God. I wonder how many struggles we go through in our lives because of what? Because we haven't been obedient and as a result of our disobedience, we blame it on everyone else why things are not happening in our lives. Look what Samuel tells him in verse 22. Samuel tells him these words in verse 22. He says, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Can I rephrase that, put it in my words? God is saying to him, you know, you're lying and saying that you wanted to give it to me. Even if that was the case, God is saying, you know what I want more than your gifts? God's saying, I want your heart. More than the stuff, I want you. Can you hear that today? God's not interested in, well, he is interested and he wants us to tithe and he wants us to worship in him and love him. But you know what? If all we're doing is paying our tithes and we're not living for him, he'd rather us live for him than do that because what's happened shall I tell you what's happened we've got so caught up in application that we've lost sight of character we've got so caught up in just doing that we've lost the reason of who we are and why we do those things come on God's crying out to obey is better than sacrifice God's saying would you just obey me and would you just live for me if you look through the word of God God puts great emphasis on obedience Proverbs 3, we just read it. There's results that come as a result of obeying God. In verse 2, he says, you will have long life and you will have peace. Come on, that's good things right there. I said, that's good things. When we obey God, we've got long life and peace. What happens when we disobey? We're looking over our shoulders all the time. We're not sleeping at night. We're worried. We're stressed. Why? Because we're not obeying God. There is truth to God's word. If we would just confess up, come clean and live for him a life of obedience. Honesty is always the best policy. It goes on to say that we'll have favor and esteem through living a truthful life. That mercy and truth will be like a necklace around us. That will be something in our hearts. What Then what happens? We'll live with favor and esteem with both God and man. These are blessings that come through just being obedient. Just being obedient. There are rewards for obedience. Come on parents, you know what it's like. You don't high-five your kids and go out and buy them a new PlayStation game or something when they come home with an F. Come on, you don't. You punish them in that situation. Why? You correct them because obviously something's going wrong because F doesn't stand for favor. F stands for failure. You're failing whatever you're in. 
But what is it like when your kid gets a report card and your kids do well? And I've got an email on my computer that I've kept because we got a lot of emails from Luke's teachers over the years of, you know, things aren't going good. And I got an email from his principal just about three months ago and I've kept it on my computer. It says, I just want you to know that Luke is doing so well. He is just doing so good at school. I'm so proud of him. I've kept that email. Why? Because I like to hear my son's obeying. I like, man, it makes you feel good. Think about it. We're parents. God's our heavenly parent. Think how he wants to reward those who do good. God wants to bless us. You may say, well, why, God, are you not blessing me? Because God can't bless disobedience. God can't bless sin. But God wants to bless our lives of obedience. And it doesn't mean that if we, we're going to mess up and do it, it doesn't mean that God is like this parole officer and he's given it and taken it and given it and taken it. But we can withhold the hand of blessing of God in our lives through lack of obedience. Look what it says. I love this scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 and 2. Listen to it. It says, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God, I love this, will set you on high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. That means they're waiting for you tomorrow. They're waiting for you the next day. They're waiting ahead of you, that God doesn't just set them up for today. God sets up blessings For your future, because why? You have obeyed the voice of the Lord your God. And if you would read, and we haven't got time, but from verse 3 to 14, we see you'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed when the enemy comes against you one way. He'll flee from you seven ways. Why seven ways? Because seven is the number of completion. And God says, I can handle it if you just obey me and trust me. It goes on to say you're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to be above and not beneath. You're going to be the lender and you're not going to be the borrower. Wonderful, wonderful promises. Come on, say with me, obedience. 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 And you know what? A lot of people say, well, Pastor Philip, it's good you're talking about obedience. But you know what? I don't really know what to do. The reality of us, every one of us knows what's right and what's wrong. It's a conscience that God has given every one of us. But what's happened, the Bible says, our conscience has become seared. What does that mean? That our conscience is is not as sensitive. I read something today, and I can't remember it. I wish I could remember the exact statement of it. But it talks about the morals of today. the, The things that we do today would have raised alarms years ago, but now they don't even raise eyebrows. The things we do today. In our lives. Come on, say with me again obedience. And every one of us knows what to do. We know what's right, we know what's wrong. And you know what? If you don't know what's right and you don't know what's wrong, can I give a plug for church? Be in church because that's what helps keep you right. That's what helps steer you right. Come on, read God's word, the manual for life to help you. In other words, look at your neighbor and say, no excuse. Come on, you got no excuse. Well, I didn't know that stealing the cookies was wrong. Yeah, you did. Well, I didn't know that punching him in the face was wrong. Yeah, you did. 
I didn't know that this... Yeah, you do. Because just watch your body language. You know when you're doing wrong because you you got those twitches in your neck because you're looking around everywhere to see what's going. Someone comes around the corner and you're hiding something or doing... But why? Because you, you know what's right and wrong. Come on, to obey is better than to lose. To obey is better than to sacrifice. Come on, let's obey God. Obey, obey. But you know there's something else about obedience, and then I want to move on quickly, and that is this. You know what, to be in obedience, I looked it up in the dictionary. Another thought of obedience is this, to submit to authority. A lot of people struggle with obedience because they struggle to submit to authority. God says, if you can't submit to an authority that you see, how can you submit to one that you can't see? Come on, in our lives, we need to learn how to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. We need to learn how to be under authority because I'm telling you, when you're under authority, you have authority. Come on. If you're under authority, then you have authority. You've got to learn how to submit. So principle number one is obedience. Are you ready? Principle number two. Read with me Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. My notes that I read on that says, when it says God shall direct your paths, it means God will straighten out the path of His devoted, trusting servants. Love that. It means God will straighten things up for me. God will take care of things. But notice principle number two is this, trust. Obey and trust. Trust. Come on, say with me, trust God. That's something we know to do, but in doing it at times can be extremely hard. Do I hear an amen? Or an ow, ow, or oh my. Come on, we know we should trust God. But how many of you in here would be totally honest with me and tell me that 100% of the time you totally do? Anyone? If you are, we can have an altar call right now because you need to be saved because you're lying. You know, we want to trust God and we know we should. Well, I'm just trusting God. Well, your actions aren't showing that. Well, I'm just trusting God after I've ran and talked to 500 people and I'm doing all this kind of stuff. Trust God. Psalm 71, verse 1 through 3, says these words, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. And look what happens. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Can I tell you right now that we can trust in a God who won't put us to shame? We can trust in a God that is a refuge that we can continually run to, that He's a rock, that He's a fortress, that He is an ear that is always leaning towards us, inclined towards us. We trust in a God that's not dead, buried. We trust in a God who's alive and has our best interests at heart. And the psalm goes on, and I encourage you to read all that psalm when you go home and say, God, these are promises for me. These are promises for my children. These are promises for my future and for my family. So why don't we trust God? Can I give you four reasons why we don't trust God tonight? Are you ready? Reason number one, because we can't see it. Well, God, you said it was going to happen, but I'm not seeing it happen. 
I can't see, God, what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing. Come on, I can't see it, so therefore if I sit, can't see it, then God, it can't really be real. Can I remind you tonight of 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9? It says what? I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has what? Prepared. God has prepared, not for waste, but for your use. God has prepared things for those who love him. Even if you don't see it right now, it doesn't mean that it's not there. Do I hear an amen? Amen. They are prepared whether you and I see it or not. But when we don't see it, what do we do? We doubt God. We doubt God. I'm glad tonight that the things that God has prepared for you and I are not determined upon us, but they require our trust to be fulfilled. Did you hear what I'm saying? The things prepared are not determined upon us because God prepares them. But what unlocks them, what brings fulfillment in our life is when we trust God even when we don't see it. It's called blind faith sometimes. Trusting God. I met with someone today and they said, you know, God's told me to start a church but I'm sure wished he'd have told me the address of the building. I'm sure wished he'd have told me all these things. And I said to him, you know what? God spoke to Abram one day and said, just get out of your land and when you leave, I'll show you where you're going to go. That was tough. But every step of the way, God revealed himself to Abram. You know what happens? If we see too much sometimes, you know what? We're going to be too scared and then we won't move. We don't move when we can't see and then we don't move when we do see. It's like a deer in headlights. You paralyze for that split second and that split second can be the difference between life and death. Have you ever not seen it in your life? Come on, be honest with me. Have you ever not seen it? Those things? Come on, Moses didn't. One day Moses isn't, you know, he's leading out the children of Israel and and he's the deliverer. I mean, he's the big bad Moses. He stood in front of the greatest man on the face of the earth, Pharaoh. He stuck his finger in his face and says, let my people go. It took plagues to happen, but finally, Pharaoh lets the children of Israel go. Moses stood in front of the most powerful man and declared, set my people free. And eventually, Pharaoh did. He's big bad Moses, but now all of a sudden, they've got mountains on each side. They've got the Red Sea behind them and Pharaoh's army. What do they do? They're backed in a corner. Moses is not seeing it. Come on, we get in places like that sometimes. Moses is not seeing what's happening. But then God instructs him to stand up and say to the people, don't worry about it. God's got it under control. And you know what Moses has to do? Moses has to turn to the corner. He's backed in the corner. He's got the impossibility behind him which should have been in front of them because that was the way they were going. But they turned around because it was an impossibility. A Red Sea was impossible for them to cross. But you know what happened? What they thought was no option. God said, turn around, stretch out your rod. And as he did, the waters parted and they went through. I'm telling you tonight, you may see a Red Sea, which is impossibility. You may see mountains on each side. You may see Pharaoh's army. You may see all around you, there's no hope. I don't care what you see. Come on, there's still a rod in someone's hand today. Still a rod. If we'll just be obedient to God, if we'll just trust him, if we'll just trust God. 
Listen to me, God moved when Moses trusted. It took a lot of faith to stand before the children of Israel and say, don't worry, God's going to move. And he stepped out a rod. Come on, he risked looking a fool. Come on, he risked being left there hanging. Come on, come on, sometimes we've got to step out even though we don't see it. But that's what causes us not to trust God, isn't it? Just because you don't see it does not mean it's not there. The second reason why we don't trust God is because it's bigger than us. Circumstances, situations, whatever it may be, they're bigger than us. They're impossibilities. Listen to this. If you're not writing anything else down tonight, you need to write this down. Impossibility is an opinion, not a fact. Impossibility is an opinion. It's not a fact. It's someone's opinion that it's impossible. Can I tell you, God says all things are possible. So therefore, impossibility is an opinion of man, not the fact of God. You've got to understand that in your life. The reason why we don't trust God is because it's bigger than us. I can't see a way how I can do that. You know the vision that God's given us for a church and a building and all these things? I don't know how we're going to do it because we don't have the money to buy that kind of building. We don't have the money to do this. But you know what? It's bigger than me. But instead of aborting that promise, you know what I've got to do? I've got to trust God. Because if God really gave it, He's going to really bring it to pass. We've got to trust God. Number three, you ready for this one? The reason why we don't trust God? Because it's taken too long. God, I want it and I want it now. God, how come you, you know the urgency? You know what the need is. God, come on. It's almost at the midnight hour. God, what's going on? God, you waited too long. God, you blew it. If you don't meet it by this time next week, then I'm, I'm going to change plan. Come on, we've all been there. When it doesn't happen, when we want and really how we want, what do we do? We think it's wrong. We think it's not right. So what do we do? We don't trust God. We don't trust God. I began to think, why sometimes is there a delay? Can I give you the reason, three reasons, why I think sometimes there is a delay in our life? Number one, are you ready? You're not ready. Because we're not ready. We're not ready for it. We're not in the right place. God is too loving to give you something that you're not ready for. We've reversed that, haven't we? And say, God, if you really love me, you'll give it to me. But God knows if you can't handle it, it's going to destroy you. Why is it not happening? Why is there a delay? Because number one, perhaps you're not ready. Are you ready? Number two, reason why? Because what you're waiting for or what you want is not ready. Oh God, I want a relationship. I want a husband. I want Just give me what. You know what? Sometimes a delay. Why? Because God's preparing the heart of that person too. Well, God, I want it and I want it now. And God says, hey, it's not ready yet. You know, Kelly and I have just gone through an awesome experience in our house. God has just really blessed us in selling the house. And Kelly and I really believe, you know, that God kept our house and kept us not... Why? Because he didn't have the right house ready for us. But almost the time we sold our house was almost the time that our new house went on the market. I think our new house went on the market the end of April and our our house was sold the middle of May or towards the end of May. End of May? End of May. You know what? We kept saying, you know, perhaps it's the reason because God hasn't got ready what he wants for us yet. And here's the third reason why. Because God's not ready. Why is there a delay? Because you're not ready. Number two, because it's not ready. And number three, because God's not ready. I'm telling you right now, God's timing is perfect if we'll just wait. But the only problem with his timing is this. His timing is not like ours. His timetable is different to ours. How do you know this? Because Second Peter 3 verse 8 says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord 
Well, one day is a thousand years and thousand years as one day. What does that mean? God's not governed by time. Like we think, got to have it now. God is saying, hey, listen, I'm not ready to do that right now. I've given you the promise, but sometimes between the promise and the fulfillment, there is a period of time. And we need to wait on that. Too many people hear from God and they jump. You need to hear from God and also the timing of God. Two separate things. And many times there's a distinct gap between them. God says go. Sometimes you have to wait till he's ready to move. He's just preparing you for that. There could be a number of other reasons. But I'm telling you, if God has said it, it will come to pass. How do I know this? Because Numbers 23 verse 19 says that God's not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. It says, have I not said it, so shall it not come to pass. If there's a delay, don't worry about it. Check yourself because maybe you're not ready. Don't push something because God's maybe getting that ready. And here's the third thought. Maybe God's not ready. It's not the right timing for your life. So don't give up. Come on, are you with me? And the last point tonight is, why don't we trust God? And here it is, because we don't believe that it's God. We don't believe that it's God. Come on, we doubt God. And if we don't doubt God, Satan comes in and tries to make us doubt God. Have you ever had Satan mess with you? Have you ever had Satan mess with your mind and say, have you looked at yourself lately and you think God's going to take care of you? You know what you've done. If you don't know what you've done, can I remind you what you've done? Just like Pete said, take inventory of your life, of the blessings. Come on, Satan wants to throw all those things in your life and say, how can God bless you? Because you've done this, 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 and this. And what happens? We begin to doubt the fact that God can really bless us. We begin to doubt the fact that God can really use us. So what do we do? We doubt God. We don't trust Him. Notice what it says in Mark 9, verse 23. It says, all things are possible to those who... Satan knows that. All things are possible to those who believe. So if Satan can get us to doubt the fact that it's possible, guess what? We'll stop trusting God for that thing. And when we stop trusting God for that thing, it maybe won't come to pass. Come on, we've got to believe God. We've got to trust God. Again, there could be any number of reasons not to trust, but to doubt God. But all for this reason. Why? So we won't follow his lead. So we won't follow his example. What did we just read in Proverbs 3 verse 6? In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your your path. Psalms 23 verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What does he say? I will fear no evil. For why? You are... Help me. You're with me. That means in the darkest night, I can trust that God is still there. When it seems that heavens are the darkest and there's no sign of anything. Come on, I can trust if God is my shepherd, if I'm walking in obedience to Him, and if I'm trusting Him, come on, He's there with me. I may not see Him, I may not feel Him, I may not at times even sense Him, but God promises to always be there. When are you and I going to learn that to trust God is always the best option? How many times have you said in your life, I have, I've said it too many times. You know what, I'm ashamed because next time I'm going to trust God. 
Anyone else said that? Next time something happens. Here I doubted God and he came. Next time I'm going to trust God. But you know what happens? Doesn't it seem to be the next time, the next time, the next time, the next time I'm going to trust him? Come on, we need to start trusting in God who's never failed us. He's never let us down. And if he has brought you thus far, can I tell you he's had plenty of opportunities to let you go, but he never has. And if he hasn't let you go up to now, he never will. He never will. You can trust him. You can trust him. And you know how and what builds trust, can I tell you? Relationship. How do I build trust in God? Through relationship. You'd be a fool to trust someone you didn't know. But what do you do when you know someone? You say they're good for their word. I know them. And as a result of knowing them, I trust them. Come on, if we want a casual relationship with God, we're never going to fully know God and therefore we're never going to fully trust God. You know why the men of the Bible trusted God so much? Because God was all they had. We say today God is all we need and God is all we want. But you know what? We fill our lives with so much other stuff as well as God. And many times we turn to God as last resort. Come on, 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. Paul writes these words to Timothy. He says, For I know... In whom I believe. Who is he believing in? He's believing in God. For I know in whom I believe, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him unto that day. What am I telling you today? You can be persuaded to know that you can trust God with whatever it is, whatever it may be. You can trust God and you can take it to the bank. It says, basically, Paul is saying, whatever I can trust him with, whatever I can put in his care and keeping, he's going to take care of it. Is that not what it says? Say close tonight. I remember a while back, a number of years ago, when I'd gone through a divorce and and you know, my heart was, was just so broken for my kids during that divorce because I didn't want them to go through the hurt and the pain. I didn't want them to be a statistic. And my prayer over and over again would be, God, protect my kids, protect my kids. And I remember one time I was driving back from Georgia. I'd been visiting my family. And I think, to be honest with you, I'd left my kids up there with my mum and dad. They were visiting. They were coming down a few days later. So I left my kids up there. And I remember driving, and I was just driving on my own, and I'd been driving about four or five hours, and it was just heavy on my heart. And can I tell you right now, in that car, just past Montgomery, in between Montgomery, Alabama, and Mobile, God really spoke to me and came to me, and he said to me, Philip, I'm going to take care of your kids. I'm going to take care of them if you'll just trust me with them. And can I tell you that there has been many days that I've had to remind myself, not God, Because he knows. But I've had to remind myself that God's going to take care of my kids. And God's going to see them through. Come on, I've got to trust God. I need to remind myself. I'm not reminding God because he knows his promises. He holds true to his promise. We're the promise breakers. He's the promise keeper. But we've got to trust him. We've got to trust him. Trust God that he knows best for your life. You may not see it, you may not feel it, it may not happen as you want. You may feel you're unworthy. Whatever it may be that's trying to make you stop trusting him, trust him tonight. Can you hear my words today and believe what I say and that is this? Trust God because he knows best. He knows best. So tonight we've looked at obedience and trust. Next week we're going to look at fear and honor. And then the week after we're going to look at discipline and we're going to look at wisdom. 
All things from Proverbs chapter 3. Principles that when we build a life upon these, other truths will emerge. Come on, we've got to obey God. We've got to trust God. If you receive that word tonight, would you stand to your feet with me tonight? Amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.